Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality. And today we are so excited to have Sam Wells with us. Sam. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for coming. Thanks um, for having me. We we are just getting to know each other. We've been kind yeah. of having some conversation right before this podcast. And Matt Cox is the one who said, hey, you got to check out Sam. He had done a video with you uh, that was called Blind Covers. Oh, yeah. And had filmed that. And so, uh, so I have been listening to your music now for, oh, oh, a good week. That's awesome. And I just love it. <laughs> and I, man, you're so talented. Thank and you just, so much. Just amazing. So thank you so much for, for being here. Let's kind of, yeah. let's kind of introduce you to, uh, our audience okay. that's checking in. Why don't you tell us about like where you grew up and your Ooh. origins, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, uh, thank you for having me. Thank you, Matt, for recommending me. <laughs> um, Kansas City has been really good to me, but I'm originally from Arizona, Phoenix. I, I grew up there. I was born in Colorado, but Phoenix is my home. So if you ever look me up and you see that it says Colorado, I'm not lying. It's just we're at Colorado, I'm <laughs> Alamosa. Just... Oh, I was there for yeah. one month as a baby, so I, I can't actually claim I know, it. I wish still, I could, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're born in Colorado, you're yeah. Coloradoan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a yeah. Coloradoan. There just you go. Raised a Phoenician. I love Colorado. So <laughs> it's my favorite state. Is it really? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you have a good ties there. Oh yeah. I've I've only been once. When okay. I was a baby. All right. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but I, I grew up there, had some um, awesome opportunities to travel around and live in Florida for a couple of years. And then um, when Florida got really expensive, because apparently it's expensive to live on the beach, um, my brothers were like, let's go come to Kansas. We've got plenty of stuff and opportunity here. And I was like, I don't want to live in Kansas. <laughs> so I don't want to move to the Midwest. What? Um, but it actually turned out to be beautiful. I love it here. Everyone is truly kind, which I thought was just a stereotype of like, oh, you yeah, know, the Midwesterners are just great, kind people. Um, but they're truly welcoming and kind. And I have just been able to grow un unbelievably here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you guys moved from Arizona to mm -hmm. Florida, like yes. your whole family. Uh, yeah, my whole family, whole family just journey. sold everything yeah. and picked up because I said I wanted to be a Disney princess. <laughs> I got to hear this story. Tell me this story. Yeah. My mom is awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I had convinced her that I would be able to be a Disney princess if I moved to Florida. And oh, Lord knows that I wasn't a Disney princess in Florida. Um, on our way there, <laughs> our car broke down and we got stuck in New Mexico. Mexico for like a day and a half and I missed my audition oh, wow. to be a Disney princess <laughs> but we still had sold everything and dropped our lease so we were moving to Florida regardless and wow. so that was a wild invent adventure I, I actually ended up once I moved back to Arizona for a bit taking care of my dad I got to be a Disney princess out there so did you yeah all in the right timing but... how old were you then <laughs> um I think I was 19 or 20. Wow. When I was, a, well, yeah. And what, I was, is, what does a Disney princess do? Oh, just, you know, princess things. No, um, <laughs> we tend to a lot of events. So I was princess Diana. And so I would go to parades or I would go to um, corporate events or I would go to parties and just be a Disney princess, waving, singing, answering questions, lots of smiling. <laughs> so that was like, it's like a PR kind yes. of uh, yeah. thing. Cool. Well, so, so you're our, you're my first Disney princess to be on the Happy Spirituality <laughs> Adventures podcast. Thank you. We're honored. So. <laughs> Thank you. The pleasure's mine. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, so, so you can't, you end up in Kansas mm -hmm. after all of this. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, it's been the best thing I think for me. Um, my husband's from California and he would really like to go back to California, but I am like, I'm plugged in Casey. And I have so many people here that I love and that I've connected with and that are 
for me and are taking care of me and are rooting for me. So I don't want to lose that just yet, but he's like, he's trucking through for me. So, yeah. So, um, are, did you, you first moved to Lawrence, Kansas? Mm, we, Is I, that? No, I first moved to Leavenworth. Leavenworth. Okay. I tapped the table. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, it happens. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. Leavenworth. Yeah. Leavenworth, Kansas. It's then, a, like the prison town that's over by Weston. That's what everybody knows yeah. it for, right? Yeah. It's just but the Melissa prison town. Etheridge is from Leavenworth, Really? Kansas. Yes. Oh, so she's, she's unfortunate. She's one of the no, I'm just kidding. famous people from, <laughs> from Leavenworth. You know, yeah. you always have to add that in the prison and Melissa. Most yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, good for them. They got uh-huh. something going for them. Right Leavenworth on. was, uh, was rough when I was there. Yeah. But, um, also I know a lot of people who are born and raised there and they love it. So more power to them, but I was ready to <laughs> move to Lawrence, Lawrence and was then a Casey. More your speed. Yeah, yeah, definitely more my speed as Lawrence a city is girl. a fun town, isn't it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Did yeah. you go to college there? No, my husband did. He went to KU. And okay. so while he was going there, I was living and working in Liberty, Missouri. So it was a trek, but uh, worth it to live right. in Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your husband's a KU yeah, he's grad? A, yeah, he's a KU Jayhawker. alum now wow. for economics. So okay. I don't know what you do with an economics degree. I don't think he does yet either, but Fig- <laughs> we'll find out. Figuring it out. <laughs> Figuring it out. Yeah. Cons- consult the president on economics. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> Something to pay down the student loans. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, so talk about your music background. Oh. Did you come from a musical family? How did you start? first getting into the music world um my family uh i loves music is not typically musical unless you're gonna go to karaoke that's my family's jam we love musicals i grew up listening to musicals and then being in them like through my high school and young adult years so that was kind of the musical influence i had growing up my mom listened to a lot of duran duran and pink and then anything that was coming on (laughs) yeah it's a huge swing but anything that was coming on the radio we had lots of mozart cds so it was a lot of influence but none of them were typically like musical presenting they didn't like Mm -hmm. do that type of field and so when I decided that I wanted to be a musician I think I said this in that interview that you saw but I had decided I wanted a guitar I told my mom that's all I want for my birthday is a guitar and she hunted one down (laughs) she got me a guitar and um I learned Kareen Bailey Ray's put your records on and I was so pumped about it because I was doing some finger plucking because that song's hard. And I showed my mom and I was like, mom, I'm going to be a singer. Look. And she was like, oh, <laughs> I, that's great that you want to be a singer, but you're going to have to put in a lot of work because that was not good. <laughs> like my heart. Oh, strong, yeah. real critic. Wow. Yeah. I respect it a lot, though, because I was not going to be one of those people that went on American Idol and didn't have people who were honest with them about well, how a, they sounded. That's somewhat unusual, I think, in today's <laughs> world for moms to be. You know, I, I always used to have this little thing, you know, if your mom is yeah. the only person in the world that thinks you're a good singer, then you just might, you know. <laughs> but my mom wasn't even. But yeah, she wasn't even. Was she wasn't even. Like, <laughs> no. no. Well. Most kids don't survive that. You know? No. I, I Well, I took I took her words and I was like, okay, maybe oh, it's gosh. not for me, but I'm going to join choir in school and hopefully That's it'll hilarious. toughen out the kinks there. But now she's very proud of me. She I'm hears sure. Music and she's like, yeah, this is, this is what I was hoping well, you, for. <laughs> I mean, just hearing your voice, man, you've obviously got a, a mm. lot of talent Thank that you've you. uh, evidently worked with and trained and worked on all that. But yeah. Still so guitar, progress. did you do piano as well? Were there <laughs> oh, other, God. you play other, I, I've seen you play the ukulele. Yeah. And, uh, That's my you jam. you do keys yet though. No, I, I also, I tried keys way earlier before this guitar story. I'd asked my mom because it's been in my brain. I've wanted to be a musician since I was just a little wee child. Um, but I'd asked my mom for some type of instrument and she'd got me a baby grand piano for Christmas. Oh, like a tiny, it was like a little nice. electric one. Okay. Um, not, not a really fancy oh, okay. one, but she'd got me this little baby grand and I was so excited on Christmas morning. I just wanted to play it and I didn't wait. I wasn't patient. And so I got my breakfast and I was eating it at my piano and I spilled cereal all <laughs> over my piano before I could even play it. And so it was broken. There was no going back from oh, that. No. I just, there's a photo of me just sobbing over this piano that I broke like the day I got it. Uh, <laughs> so piano's not in the cards for me right now. Right. I don't play, right. I can play with the piano. I can warm up. I know how to teach my lessons, for my vocal lessons with a piano of like, this is what we're working with, mm-hmm. but I am not a piano player. 
Yeah. Mostly exclusively ukulele, though I did bring a guitar for you today. <laughs> well, that's great. So did you, your first uh, times to perform, was that mm-hmm. with these musicals through the school or was it through your church or where, where was that? It was definitely through school. I, um, every year I just had some type of musical performance uh elective I think is what they were called I think they're still called that (laughs) I hope it's been a minute um but I had some kind of musical performance class and my first uh experience that I remember of being a student of music was um I think second grade uh we were all the choir was going to go to this massive hotel and we were going to be performing for these people in this ballroom and the teacher came up and was like okay but we have a solo who wants to do the solo and no one wanted to do the solo and i was like you guys are crazy i want to do this solo and so i raised my hand and i was i got it and all i remember is being in second grade like a little seven-year-old walking out strong in my performance like i'm gonna sing this song and it was a seven-year-old singing a solo uh but i felt good and that's when i was like yeah i'm gonna do this and thus the story of the piano and then the guitar and then getting here but it was definitely school that kind of told me yeah that's why we got to keep arts and music i know it's such a huge deal right it really is very good all right. So then, um, so when did you start writing? Your... Mm. <laughs> well, or just in general? Because just it was, in general. It was yeah. pretty rough there in the beginning. <laughs> um, I think I started writing uh, what would be like a smash or slam poetry, like where it's just like angry writing about my feelings in middle school. Um, huh. Lots of lots of love songs where it's just like this unrequited or or or, or not what is it? Reciprocated love. A lot of that, um, in middle school, which checks out. And then a lot of just like angry life isn't what I expected it to be, which I guess turned out also in my first EP with for the deflated of like, why are we like this? Um, so it really, I wouldn't say school again, middle school age, I started writing and then it got good probably around 22. (laughs) There you go. But Lots you kept working at it, it. Yes. and you let people give you feedback yeah. along the way. Yeah. So this was a craft that you just, you literally pressed into, started working on, let people give you feedback. Yes. And uh, so, so your first, <laughs> what, what would you say your first recording projects were? Mm, okay. My first recording project was a song that actually is out now still it's called lesson learned and that was one that i recorded in the lawrence public library studio because they have this incredible space that the city just lived into for musicians to be able to put musicians or photographers or videographers they've just got tons of gear Hmm. um available to the public and my booker james who found me at an open mic and was like you can do this um, was like, but first you need to have a song out so I can show people <laughs> what you sound like. And so I went into the studio and I was like, I'll just record the song by myself. I'll just get it done. So when you listen to it, the mixing is rough, um, but it got the job done. And so uh, it's this like just sweet little ballad. It's actually one of my first spiritual songs that I wrote for like secular consumption. And it's just me and my ukulele and my banjo and it's just like a little Americana song. That's like my first studio project that I did. And that was like two years ago, three years. So you were doing this sort of Americana feel mm-hmm. really early. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that kind oh, of stuff good. too. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It was so fun to see you, you play the ukulele and, and you know, <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun feels to your music. Uh, so, yeah. So that was your first recording project. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where did it? Take me. Yeah. Where did it take you from there? Okay. So I'll give you a little bit of background. Um, The person who found me and really got me plugged into the KC music scene, his name's James Carter. He runs a project called You Found Music. Um, And he kind of found me playing for Ben Went uh, at Rhino's like open mic. This is the first time I had had decided to go to this open mic and I played two of my songs. And afterwards, James comes up to me and he's like, hey, do you want to play and open for this band that I'm having at this whiskey bar in like a month? And I just laughed at him and I was like, there's no way you're actually asking me based off two songs if I want to open for this sweet band that's coming in. He was like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I think you're really good. And I died and then said, Yes. Um, And so that's how it it kind of started getting me on the train of putting out my music. Um, 
he was like, do you think you could play for three hours? And I was like, no, but I will. I will figure out how to play for three hours for you. Wow. Um, and that kind of started the ball rolling for a residency at this whiskey bar called Repeal 18th. It's under hmm. new management now. So I don't know if I can how, recommend how it. How long but, ago was that? Uh, I think that was 2018. I think that okay. was. Oh, so. maybe it was 2019. Yeah. No, it's been, I've only been in the music here for two years so it was okay. like march so 2019 very, very recently then. Yeah. yeah other than that it was just all in my bedroom hiding yeah. with me <laughs> wow wow that's so that's so fun to have you here because i i uh you man i've loved what you, you're doing so far so Thank you. I, I i think good things are gonna are on the way yeah, yeah. it's been a snowball <laughs> on the way yeah so um what uh, I've I've listened to some of your YouTube stuff. Mm -hmm. I have listened to uh, your new EP that yes. just came out just a few months ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of want to chat a little bit about all of these ones that I've listened to. Maybe yeah, I, yes, I might have missed some, too. But I listened to your uh, deal called Flu. Uh, <laughs> Flew the coop session. Flew the coop session. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and that's just you and a mic and a ukulele, mm -hmm. really stripped down. Yeah, but really, really well done. Thank you so much. Cody reached out to me. I think during um, Black History Month. Uh, no, it was I was when everything was happening with George Floyd, and I had just put out a song called um, "Dear Black People," which was a collaboration with one of my friends, Romy Kiowa. Kiowa, yes, and. Um, he had heard that and was like, we want to get you in. And so I was just really important to have it be just about the music, L basic production, but it turned out to be so, so sweet and intimate. really well done. Thank you. That song, dear black people mm -hmm. was, was your friend wrote the poem. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. You ran across it and yes. then you just put it I to said, music. Can I put this into music? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's really a good a good oh, piece. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. a phenomenal writer. And I think you said that got published on um, mm -hmm. some, what was it? Um, some kind of a Black Ma Black Lives Matter? Yeah, uh, compilation. It was the Black Lives okay. Matter compilation put out by French Exit Records. French Exit Records. Yeah, they had okay. reached out to me too and said, is there something you want to put on this Black Lives Matter compilation? And I said, I got just the song for you. Okay. <laughs> this is the one. Yeah. And he kind of let me finish out that album with that, hmm. um, which was just such a sweet honor of being like this is if this is the last thing you want to hear about it it's just that um you matter and you're powerful and you're creative and just because all of this bad stuff is happening doesn't mean that you can't bloom so that's very very good yeah yeah and then uh matt uh, had videoed you yes. in a in a blind cover session yes which was so much fun to watch it was so much fun to be a part of honestly and <laughs> the coolest thing so and i this was the first time i'd seen it i didn't realize mm. it was a deal so yeah um so they bring you into you did this at the rhino yes bring you brought they brought you into the studio yeah and they give you a song by tom wait mm -hmm. tom waits yeah tom waits as bad as you or bad as me as so, bad yeah. as me bad, yep, yep, bad as me by bad tom waits yeah tom and they gave us the lyrics you had never heard it mm -mm. so you have no clue <laughs> no, what kind it. of song it is <laughs> no and then you've got a little band around you and yes. you have to like like in the moment yeah those are just a on the fly collection of the most talented musicians i knew i was i, I called them last minute and said hey guys they are I, apparently they are they are some are of the most they? talented Who musicians in the city. That's Daniel Cole, Tim Agotu, and Daniel Moraine. Okay. And Daniel Moraine played guitar. Uh, Tim Agotu played um, bass, but he is a phenomenal guitarist as well. Um, and then Daniel Cole played on the on drums. the drums. Yeah. Yeah. And this is called Blind Covers. I yes. encourage people to watch it because it's just really fun to see what you came up with. Oh yeah, they're on they the were fly. Awesome. Everybody kind of participated, so it was like a group. Oh yeah. Project. Oh yeah. I don't, I it would not have turned out as good without them. I'm confident. And, and then you just play this cover yeah. and, then, and then you finally at the end, listen to the real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just... Blew my mind. I'm like, there's no way this is a real song. Yeah, this so is like funny. a real famous, well-known song. And I <laughs> was surprised. <laughs> I, I was surprised as well. It really was. I really was. It was great. Yeah. So much fun. 
So let's talk about your EP that just came out just a few months ago. Yes, for the deflated. Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you're. It sounds like you're dealing with some difficult issues in life. Yeah. Um, The Mm -hmm. title song. Yeah. Is 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 for the deflated. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about the back drop for this EP, you know, like what you're going through as you're putting this together, writing some of these. Sure. Yeah. And in the songs you get like a little bit of my, what, like my growing up, my youth was, um, and the loves and the disappointments that come with, you know, adolescence. And then, uh, you get taken to kind of the concerns now, which I feel like is a concern for all adolescents who are uh, growing, which is climate change for me. That's just been one of the most, um, impending dooms that constantly cycles through my mind. I know there are massive things happening, wars everywhere, but the biggest thing for me that I think about is climate change. And so when I had first discovered that this was a problem because it wasn't something that I just knew. Um, I was like in the pits. I was in the pits for, I want to say a week and a half. My husband was very worried about me because I was just down this rabbit hole of like, this is happening and this is happening and this is disintegrating. And what are we going to do with this? And finally for me, I was like, I just am angry. <laughs> I'm just mad. I'm upset that this is a position that we've put been put in, that we've put ourselves in when we have this bountiful resource as our earth that we could be honoring and loving and taking care of. And instead we're just burning it down. Um, and so for me, that emotion, I was like, I'm going to write out how angry I am. And it turned into this, um, anthem for me, um, where we get to not only kind of rage against the machine, but also like ask the question and then be encouraged to figure out an answer and to constantly be finding and striving an answer. So that's why that kind of needed to be the moniker for the whole album. Um, because following it, like immediately was this um, <laughs> another jam for me about quitting your job. I think that when it comes to things that are deteriorating, not only the things around you, but yourself, your inner spirit, uh, it was just important to take charge and make the choices, do the hard things. And mm-hmm. for me, that was quitting the job that felt like I was dying in. Um, super important. And then it kind of takes you on the journey of like being willing to, this is my thought process for mm-hmm. it is it takes you on that journey of being willing to, uh, do the things that scare you. So it leads into taking chances. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of them surrounding that theme of like uh, introspection and then risk and what that reward could be if you're willing to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Whether awesome. it's leaving home or quitting your job. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, growing up, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than you and I didn't really think a lot about, uh, we didn't think a lot about the climate, but I was, Mm. I've always been a lover of nature. I, I've been backpacking and hiking and climbing and I'm still doing rock climbing, all these kind of things, big mountain biker. So I'm a huge lover of nature. And I remember one of the early, when I was a teenager and I was just learning how to backpack and stuff, one of the early books I read was um, uh, Backpacking One Step at a Time. Oh. And it had a whole chapter on taking care of the planet. Oh. And like you, like when you go in, awesome. you you take only pictures and you leave only footprints. Mm. And so it was, a, so it instilled mm. in me as a very young teenager. And then when I was studying scripture and stuff like that, and, and you look in the creation story there in yes. chapter one and two, you've got this, this mandate that's mm. given to us. Like, you know, you have the story of Adam and Eve in the garden yep. and they're to tend and watch yep. the garden, which Care is, for. Yeah, which is a stewardship type of a mandate mm-hmm. to take care, uh, to be gardeners, to yeah. take care of this this beautiful planet that we live on. So, any rate, um, so I've always I've always had a a place in my heart for that and mm. mindful of that. So I really appreciate that about you. So um, you. I love this song, Desert Youth. <laughs> yeah, <And laughs> that's the yeah. Um, it's if I'm if I'm getting it right, it's kind of like you you're you're growing up starts out. What are those opening words about being? Yeah. In a, in a big in, sweaty town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever been to Phoenix, I, I feel like that one sets the tone pretty well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but but it's, then you're, it's like you're, you're, you're finding yourself in that song a little bit. You're leaving yeah. your, yeah. you know, that town, you're leaving your mom. Yes. Right. Yeah. That and description you, of the leaving the nest. Mm-hmm. And then you've, and then you get out there and then you got to figure out, well, yeah. maybe, maybe all my problems weren't where I grew up. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm a part of it too. You know, yes. Am I, am I, yeah, am that I it, clicking in right on yeah, that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that it was a clear in what I was trying, what uh-huh. I was hoping to, um, depict, which was really that like a uh, transition that you go through of thinking that, um, it's all, it's your bubble. The bubble is the problem. And if you could just get outside the bubble, like that grass is greener. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realizing trying to erase everything that made you who you are, isn't going to make you happy. It's just going to make you feel lost. Um, and instead trying to keep those roots, trying to, um, honor the parts of you that maybe you feel like are less pretty and still say, I am beautiful because of them. And then to say, it's okay that I grow out of them, but you can't just burn them. You can't burn the things that make you who you are. You can just grow through them and then grow out of them. So. Yeah. That's, I, I, well done. I really like that song, Desert Youth. The, Thank you. The other, uh, the title song for the deflated, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're kind of talking about, the situation that isn't fair, you know, life isn't fair, <laughs> but you have a line in there and I, I want you, I want you to say it. It's something about the monster. Oh, in the room. no time to let loose when the monsters in the room become the cool, the love, the lost, the medicated. Yeah. Say it one more time. <laughs> I want to oh get my, this. Uh, there's no time to let loose when the monsters in the room become the cool, the loved, the lost, the medicated. Okay. Help me with yeah. that. I love that. I love that. And I got, I was like trying to get my head around and I said, okay, that's You're interesting. Like, what are you talking about, girl? It's interesting. Um, so the first, the opening to that is where we're cutting. It's like in my brain, I was thinking of it like cinematically where you're like cut to the chase. This is where everything is happening or bouncing back and forth. Um, it's a hysterical escape. It's like us trying to find a way to either leave the planet or take the, take charge and care for the planet. Um, and then recognizing that it's not just how fast we can get it done. It's actually changing people because in the respect to like what it looks like for climate change and what it looks like for stewardship of our planet, it's both corporate and individual. And so when I'm naming the cool, the love, the lost, the medicated, it's just naming who we are as a human race in different forms, but all as one of it's us. We are, if if you're looking at climate change, if you were the earth being like, Hey, what's going on guys, we're the monsters that are responsible for what's happening here. We're the, we're the people that are responsible Mm -hmm. for the hungry and the hurting and, uh, overindulging in our luxuries, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I am guilty of. (laughs) I, I immediately thought, God, I got some monsters in me that need to be medicated. Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's Everyone that's just mental health. That's just mental health, you know? Yes. My therapist would agree with you. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's great. Mm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your, um, your, like your spirituality your, yeah. your, your, your creativity. Where does your creativity flow from? How do you mm. nurture creativity? And then how does that tie into spirituality for you? Ooh, I love that you asked this question because I'm a firm, um, thinker. I wouldn't say I'm a believer, but I'm a firm thinker that every spark of creativity every idea every creation is a gift I don't believe that really any of my songs have come from me every time I write a song and I get to the end and I'm looking at it and I go where did this come from <laughs> like the way that the words flow together or when it becomes this like piece of art or this piece of work I look at it and I'm like there's just no way that I came up with that I'm not as eloquent as <laughs> this this song seems um, in my day-to-day life so I do truly believe that it's a gift every song um, whether you believe it's a gift from God and this creator you believe it's a gift from the universe you believe it's a gift from the holy other I'm a firm believer that that is a gift and and creativity is a is an expression of love um, if we are created, in God's image, and that is love, then the things that we create are created in our image, which would then be love. So Mm. all art for me feels that way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But when it comes to like the process, I have just tried and tried to be like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to build a regimen and I'm going to write every day. I'm going to write a song. (laughs) And, um, those songs, though they are an expression of how I'm feeling, never really sit as well as when it's that inspiration that comes from whatever, whatever that tapping that's happening there, whatever that gift is, those are the ones where as soon as it's done, I'm just like, wow, I don't want to keep this to myself anymore. I feel like this is powerful and would be selfish for me to say, oh, this is just mine now. I'm going to keep it and don't worry, mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll get something else. Um, so I think there's a definite difference in the in my writing, at least of that. Um, in 2018, I made a New Year's resolution and I said, I'm going to write one song a month because I was confident that it was coming from me and that I was going to do it. Um, And whenever I would sit down and be like, I got to write my one song for this month, it was just poetry, which is good, but it wasn't like the song that I wanted to like be the staple of that month. But by the end of the year, I had had inspiration every single month surrounding something that was happening or something that was going on in someone else's life or an emotion where it was just, and it would come at the most inopportune times. I was right. I was like scribbling down on napkins on receipt paper at my coffee shop job where I'm, I definitely worked hard, but that was like, if it, when it happened, I was like, I will take care of you in just one second. I just have to get this down because it was fleeting. Um, and so, yes, I've learned that <laughs> just at least for my writing and for writing my writing experience in general. If I don't write it down as that inspiration hits, it's not going anywhere and I will mm-hmm. lose it because I think it's not from me. Mm. So do, do these inspiration moments like when you say you sit down and write, do you mm-hmm. just do you, is the space and place important to you? Like, do you literally set aside time and go, OK, now I'm going to write or yeah. do you just use the notes on your phone every time an idea comes in your mind and you, ju- you, you type that's what into it's your- become okay all right because before it was i was like i'm gonna set aside uh 30 minutes every day or 30 minutes every other day i've it's weaned down because i don't really have that luxury so much um being a musician means you have to work a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> but sitting down and saying i'm gonna write i'm just gonna sit down and just word dump anything that comes to my brain and see if it's usable. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been helpful when I'm going to go to co-write with someone where then the inspiration's flowing and I'm able to pull from whatever the vibe is of like, oh, I wrote this down this time. Mm -hmm. So maybe all writing is inspired. But um, those ones, the ones that that I turn into songs, the ones that I've chosen for my upcoming album that I'm working on have all been ones where it's like, I've literally pulled over my car to record a voice memo there and then type go. down what's what is happening in my brain because I don't want to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's times when I've had ideas for, you know, like a book or a blog mm. or, or just a, a message or something that I'm going to yeah. deliver. And if I don't get it down, it escaped. Cool. It's like that dream that you, you forget, you know, 30 minutes after you wake up. Or yeah. Something, if you, you don't know? tell someone about it, it's I gone. Know. There's actually a theory about that. There's a theory that uh, surrounding an idea that ideas are like um, spiritual beings that are constantly presenting themselves to people. And if someone doesn't take that idea and do something with it, it will move on to the next person. Oh, and there's been trackings of ideas where it's like, I was going to write this book, but it took me a long time and I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do with it. And then I lost the inspiration for it. And then someone they were in contact with a year before took that idea without them having the conversation just I got this idea and I ran with it and was able to complete the book and it was just whether or not you're honoring that idea and I love that I don't know if I believe it it's like they're like little idea fairies but I <laughs> love the concept that like if you don't honor it it will be presented somewhere interesting good or I've never heard that oh yeah I'll, ma- I'll send you the article yeah that would be really I, cool. <laughs> I like I like that idea though yeah me too it certainly it certainly is true if you if you lean into mm. some of those intuitions, creativities or whatever that Absolutely. they do, they do, they can blossom. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, well, that's cool. It's shown in scripture too. I don't know if that is helpful for like this audience's sure. um, understanding, but time and time again, isn't it that the Lord would show up and say, I want you to do something. And if one prophet wouldn't do it, he would then move. What is it? Elijah. And then, um, Oh, I can't remember the other name. But where one wasn't doing it. And so he's like, fine, I'll go to the next person. 
And I'll make sure that my will gets done in this way. So it's, script, it's scriptural, another. right? Yeah. Where yeah. that'll, it's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, mm. You, you are a, a currently a worship leader. Yes. At a church here in Kansas city. Yes. Good right? shepherd, Kansas city. Okay. Yeah. And how long have you been like, when did you get involved in worship leading and oh, how, yeah. how, how long have you been involved in that? I realized that it was something that I wanted to do on um, a winter trip in middle school. Um, we had like devotional time every morning and night, which is like a scripture, or like a testimony and the music. Mm-hmm. And the two women who were leading worship for our retreat were youth, but they were incredible. And the way that they were able to express not only their love for God, but within their musicality and being able to tie those two together, especially when I was having a spiritual experience, I was like, this feels like the way I connect with God, the way that I connect with my spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so from that moment, I went up to them after the trip and I was like, teach me your ways. I want to be like you. Which is super funny because they were just kids my age too. And they're like, I pick up an instrument and then sing about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so from then, it was it was always something that was in my brain. I um, Church life was not something that was really present or incorporated into like my high school years. It was a lot of extracurriculars. And my mom has always been really kind of like, we're going to go. But if you don't feel like... It's what you want to do. You can come with, you can sit in the car. You don't have to be here. Your faith is your faith and you need to develop it whatever way is honest to you. And so she was always really great about being like, you choose how you walk. That's the whole free will of it, right? Okay. Which is powerful Mm -hmm. because she also went to church, to church, to church. I think we moved maybe 13 times before I was in high school. And every time we moved, she was just like, whatever's the nearest church, that's the one we're going to. So Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, non-denominational, Catholic Hmm. churches. I grew up going to all of them. Wow. Um, So I felt like I have a really, I have a really good grounded understanding of the breadth that is Christianity Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and how it impacts me. But I knew that I wanted to do worship as a um, like lifestyle, I would say as a profession, but as a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, Early on, did nothing with it. Once I moved to Kansas City, I was like praying and I'm like, where should I be going? This is a whole new city. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I even want to be in Kansas. (laughs) And I felt called to this little church in Piper and there I was able to start leading worship in like on Wednesdays. They just kind of let me take run and take uh, their worship segment then. And I had met my husband through that church and what, we were, what church was this? This was Haven Baptist church. Okay. I, re- I usually refrain from saying the name mostly now because okay. I think that the ideology that is taught there for me, as I've discovered in my kind of deconstruction and reconstruction is mm-hmm. really harmful and hurtful. So I refrain from saying usually the name, but it was Haven Baptist Church in Piper um, where I met my husband. His dad is a pastor. And I was like, hey, <laughs> this is before we were married. <laughs> hey, is your dad's church hiring or possibly looking for a worship leader? And he was like, they just decided tonight that they were going to hire a contemporary worship leader. And I was like, this seems serendipitous. Interesting. I'm not going to lie to you. This feels like I should be your worship leader. Um, and so I met with him, had a list of questions about the church because I was like, I'm not getting myself into what I just got into at this other church. Okay. And he answered my questions and it worked out that as soon as I was able to connect with his father, the church was amazing. They took me in. It was um like a four month period where they were like vetting me and finding out what's my story is, am I going to be a good fit? Um, but from there, my worship leading grew and my opportunities to worship lead grew. And I went from this, uh, first Baptist church in Leavenworth to Liberty United Methodist church working there in this massive, um, multi-campus church. And then from there being able to work with like resurrection down downtown mm-hmm. resurrection, Leewood and, them yeah. as a whole and then finding good shepherd and that being my nice, church nice. home. So yeah. it just bounced around and it's a lot much like my mom. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Adam Hamilton and I started our churches the same year. Oh, okay. I've known Adam since yeah. the, the early nineties. 
um, yeah, we're, we're, we're reconnecting this week together. Yeah. He's um, a, he's a powerful pastor. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so w- who were, who were some of your worship, uh, people that you were listening to and what, what, what kind of worship music do you do? I'm just curious. Oh, you know, I'm so bad at this because I actually hate CCM music so much. Okay. No, I, it's, it's it actually doesn't... horrible because my congregants will come to me and say, have you heard this song? And I'm like, no, they're trying to get you to I do the latest. It. Yeah. Um, the latest Hill song or the latest, this or the latest that yes. or whatever. And I yeah. do, I do. As soon as they give me a song, I will learn it. It's not about me. So my preference doesn't really matter in that case. We're just going to, but what, what's whatever your, calls the what's congregation. Your favorite stuff? Yeah. I found because I've had like already a bad taste. I've talked to a lot of worship leaders where they were like, this is what gets me into a space because it's not typically like um k love that can mm-hmm. reach where you're trying to get um but i've just fallen in love with like all sons and daughters i've fallen in love with um brian and katie torwald gunger when they were still a gathering um maverick city music mm-hmm. uh is just incredible um i would also say there was there was a time where I think Bethel put out their We Will Not Be Shaken album and that was like pinnacle of CCM for me in my brain. I'm like, this is they get it. They understand what they're doing. This is right. Um, but I also really like a lot of like Andy Mineo, which is a Christian rap, I guess, would okay. be considered. Um, anything that feels like they went out of the box in their thinking. Okay. I I know that there is a purpose and there is a joy that comes from not not only creating something that is easy for people to join into and digest, but also that they can anticipate what's coming next with mm-hmm. your like verse, course, verse, course, bridge, a couple times, course, a couple times is the ending. I, I know that there's power in that because we don't have to think about it, but I want to think about it <laughs> when I'm listening in my free time. Um, so anything that's going to be obscure, you can send my way. Core has a whole album called The Listening Heart and that has been just on repeat. I think they put it out like six or seven years ago. And that's still a main album mm-hmm. for me to listen to and feel called to. Awesome. <laughs> Tell me, we, we, we chatted briefly about your, you, you had a little bit of experience in the black church. Yeah. And I'm curious if maybe some of that Oh, uh, had some influence as well. I wish it had more influence. <laughs> I, I found the I found the black church and my connection to it uh, far later in life than I would have hoped. Um, but it came to a place where I was able to experience this half of my life that I had never encountered in such a powerful and spiritual way. The way that they worship, where it's free and it's earnest and it's um, emotional and it's uh, inclusive, right? They want everyone to be up and jumping and, and just praising together has been incredible. I, I so badly wish that I was a gospel singer. I think sometimes I get gigs or like uh, opportunities in the church where they're like, hey, you should come sing. And they're wanting me to be a gospel singer. And I'm like, I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that going for me yet. Um, but that has been just a point of awe for me. I get to really set aside what I know in worship mm-hmm. and to experience worship mm-hmm. in, as this whole new form when I go out there. Um, which is where Maverick City comes in because that's a that's a black church through and through and they are doing good things. Right. They're doing good they things some, with their yeah, music. They have some great stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of fun. I... Uh, my my church home for the last uh i don't know year and a half probably maybe maybe getting close to two years probably yeah. over, over two years now has been um one of the large african-american churches here in kansas city missouri yeah. and uh, and uh, tim is the uh, worship leader there will you say the name again uh, his first name is Tim uh, of the church. Oh, the church Macedonia yes. Baptist Macedonia Church. Baptist. Yes. I want to remember this because I'm going to look up their online worship since they just started. Yeah, they just had their first uh, Sunday service mm-hmm. back together again since COVID last Sunday. Yeah, and um, but yeah, they <clears throat> you know it's some 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 wonderful. It's powerful music that goes stuff. Down there. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to be there, you know, in the music and, mm-hmm. and let it, let the healing come, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's a whole experience in and of itself. Yeah, you bet. 
Well, good stuff, man. I love, uh, I love your heart and oh. <laughs> I love, love what you're doing. Thank you so I, much. I do. I am very fond of, um, you know, the style that you're doing. So oh. it is, it is kind of what I tend to go to. I, I listen to a lot of, I, I listen to everything very mm-hmm. eclectic, but my, what I end up landing on is kind of like sort of alternative rock or, yeah, uh, you know, like, like folk. Um, I'm really excited that you're grouping me in with these two genres. <laughs> folk. Well, you would, would that's you say hope. Americana um, um, I, a little bit or? I would say that's the direction I'm heading in, but mm-hmm. m- my ideal form of create like music genre creation would be like beach rock meets funk meets singer songwriter lyrics because I think it's easy to get kind of lost when you're just jamming and you're grooving mm. but I love I, I sway back and forth because I just love folk music I love h- how earnest it is I mm-hmm. love how simple it is I love that you're on a journey and you don't need anything else other than like what you've got in your hand and your voice yeah. but yeah I mean you know like Mumford and Sons and some of that mm-hmm. um I don't know what they, I don't know if they call that a folk revival at one point or, or <laughs> I not, think that would but, be, you know, yeah. Lumineers, all these, all yeah. these bands really started popping up. I mm. had, um, uh, Marcus Mumford's dad was the head of the, vin- I was in the, a movement called Vineyard Churches and, yeah. um, the head of the vineyard in England for a couple of decades was John Mumford. Wow. And, uh, I did not so know that. John and Eller Mumford were, uh, you know, oversaw the vineyard in, in Britain. That's cool. And so I, he wouldn't remember me, but I had met him cause I, I, I was speaking in a bunch of churches in England in the nineties and, oh, that's and, awesome. I, and, um, you know, we, we ran in, in similar, like I, I'm close friends with the guy that did his wedding mm-hmm. with Marcus's, the guy that did Marcus's wedding. Uh-huh. And, um, so when he first came to Kansas city, uh, he hadn't hit it big. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was playing at the record bar. Oh, wow. His first American tour. Yeah. He comes to Kansas City, plays at the record bar. And I, I, I found out, you know, through my vineyard network that he was going to be there. And I, I bought like a few tickets for 12 bucks a piece. Wow. <laughs> $12 <laughs> and for I mean, Mumford and Sons And it was packed. <laughs> and it was amazing. Yeah. A year later, he, he came back a year later to mm-hmm. the river market. And mm. sold ten thousand tickets in one hour for I don't know how much. Wow! And I went to that one too. But uh, wow! I mean, he just literally blew up overnight. Yeah, like it was. I mean, in a year, he just uh, it can happen. You know, like he that. goes ends up playing on the Grammys with Bob Dylan. I think. So, <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. Well, listen, let's um, let's have you do one of your songs for oh, us I would as we uh, kind of wrap up this interview. And awesome. uh, what song do you want to? do for us. I was going to do the closer on my album, which is taking chances. All right. Yeah. All right. Jumping fences Jumping fences 
first up to bat, a job well done. Holding the fear of striking out all like a gun. Always asking for something secret, something real. Well, would you just tell how you really feel? Cause there's no more to life than There's no more to life than Oh, there's no more to life than Taking chances Thank you, so Sam, much. so much. You know, I want to really encourage people to uh, jump online and, you know, check your music out. Um, be sure on YouTube, Sam Wells Music, <laughs> and watch some of the stuff that she does on YouTube. You have an amazing voice. I <laughs> love your, you. just your energy and what you bring uh, through your music. It's beautiful. And uh, your website is who is Sam Wells? Yeah, who is Sam Wells dot com, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so lots of places to check her out. And uh, I think you're going to really love her. And I thank you for taking time and joining us for this interview on Spirituality Adventures. Thank you so much. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.